now it's working. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the live stream. Welcome. It's Thursday morning here in Pretoria and wherever you are also. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're going to get into the word just now. I just want to greet a few people. Hello, Eric there from, from Worcester and Dini from Donna Bay or George, wherever you're watching from. And uh, hello, Janine. Good morning. Uh, so it's good to have all of you here. I want to speak about surrender today. So uh, I think... Just keep this space. I'm not going to start here. Let's go to First Peter chapter five. Expectant, yes, awesome, Eric. Let's expect something from God. Uh, just on expectation, I think it's good if we start expecting perfection from God and stop expecting perfection from people <laughs> so we need to expect failure from people and mercy and and perfection from god anyway right first peter chapter 5 says verse 6 therefore humble yourselves no verse 5 likewise you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders, ministers, spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a serv servant, so that uh, its covering cannot be possibly stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance. So the pride is a good place to, uh, to, to make a note. This is one of the big things that... Uh, causes us to resist God, that causes us not to be yielded, is when we stand on, on our opinions and our ideas and what we want uh, instead of what the Spirit wants and His ideas, okay, toward one another. For God sets Himself against the proud, insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, boastful. And He opposes and frustrates and defeats them. But he gives grace to the humble. So the humble are those who would believe and receive the grace. So God sets himself against the proud. So we, we need to be free from pride. We need to be free from arrogance. And rather take on the attitude of a servant towards one another. doesn't matter what your role is. We need to have that an outward serving attitude and flow with the Spirit of God instead of trying to resist the flow of God. Okay, but he gives grace to the humble. Good morning, Lenay. Good morning, Trish. It's good to see all of you there. Okay, I just see some names popping up. All right. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote low yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time... He may exalt you. So this is a good way to humble yourself. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So that means if you run around with anxiety, you're uh, hindering the flow of the Spirit. If you run around with all your cares, uh, 
anxieties, worries, concerns, then you are resisting what the grace of God wants to do. Uh, we need to humble ourselves and cast our fears on him. So it's not sympathy. Oh, we don't want sympathy, we'll do it ourselves. That kind of attitude that you get a lot among a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I don't receive charity. Receive it. The word charity actually means love. We need to humble ourselves and give uh, attention. We need to receive what he wants to give to us. And what he wants to give to us is the answer to everything that burdens us. Matthew chapter 11. All those who are burdened, heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. He says, my burden is light, my yoke is soft. So we need to come to him and give him the burden. And that takes humility. We need to come to him and receive his burden. That takes humility. So he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So we need, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the helper. You know, if you read John 14 to 16, the Paracletos is the helper, the standby, the go-between, the advocate. We have this advocate. We have this helper. Okay? So we need to humble ourselves and receive his help. We cannot do it on our own. So the, the great reason why some people are breaking through in the spirit and in supernatural things is because they humble themselves and receive the grace. They humble themselves and receive the help. So religion teaches us to do the opposite. Religion teaches us to try and be strong in ourselves and to try and earn everything and try and impress God so that he would reward us with something. And that is the way to resist God. That is the original pride. That is the knowledge of good and evil being in operation. That is living in total independence from God. All right. So he says we need to cast our cares on him. That means after you've done that, no more cares. We need to cast our anxieties on him. That means after that, no more anxieties. That means no more concerns, no more worries. All of it cast it on him. And we need to trust him that his power and what he gives you is enough to sustain you. But more than that, to overcome everything that you see. More than that even, that it already has overcome everything, every obstacle that you see. Fear is a liar. Okay? And fear will cause you to say, this is going to happen. Fear will cause you to say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where shall we be closed? So don't take a thought that will make you to fear and cause you to say, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? That's pride. That fear is pride. The, the idea that, you, that you're a victim and the, the whole world is against you and everybody owes you something, that's pride against God. So... We, uh, that fear thing, that experience, that emotion, uh, the only thing it is geared towards is to receive sympathy. So people cling on to it 
because their need for sympathy is greater than their need for a solution. And it becomes their identity, and they don't want to give it up because it's all they know, and it becomes their, their crutch, it becomes their identity. Don't let fear, circumstances, all those things become your identity. Okay? You are in Christ, and Christ is victorious. So who is victorious over the world? It's, it's not him that, that believes in Jesus Christ, First John 5. So uh, if you're born of God, you are victorious over the world. <laughs> that means everything you see is under your feet. So we need to get our minds in line with the mind of Christ. And he's not afraid. He's not anxious. He's not worried. He doesn't have care because he's the Lord of all. So if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says the first man, Adam, was of the dust, dusty. So it means, amplified brackets, uh, uh, mind of the flesh, mind of dust, earthly minded. But the second man is the Lord from heaven, and he is heavenly minded. So are we born from above or not? Are we in Adam or are we in Christ? If we are in Christ, our minds need to surrender to what Christ is, is thinking, and we need to stop resisting God in our thoughts and in our words and in our actions. And then blame it on him when something doesn't break through. <laughs> we need to stop that. We need to surrender to him. All right. He resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Let's go to James chapter 4. James. Where's James? There's James. Verse 6. Let's just rather start at verse 5. He says, Do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit, of whom he, the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcome? Why would he say he yearns to be welcome? He's not welcome everywhere. He came unto his own and his own received or welcomed him not. But to as many as did receive him, gave he power to become sons of God, as many as believed. So we need to believe. We need to align with his word. Okay, As many as welcomed him. He yearns, the spirit yearns to be welcomed with a jealous love. Verse 6. He gives us more and more grace. Power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. Do you have an evil tendency? Yes, you do. <laughs> your evil tendency might, different, be, might be different from someone else's evil tendency, but you have evil tendency. This is this evil tendency and all others fully. I love the amplified here. To meet this evil tendency and all others fully. So the grace meets all evil tendencies inside you. Now he says, that is why he says, God sets himself against the proud and haughty. So those who live without realizing or without wanting to admit that they need God. But gives grace continually to the lowly, to those who are humble enough to receive it. Okay, he gives grace to those who are humble enough to receive it. He gives grace to those who are humble enough to receive it. So that means when you, when you see miracles, someone received grace. Miracles and boldness, like you see, you know, in Acts chapter 4, Peter said, Grant unto your servants boldness to speak your word fearlessly while you stretch out your hands with, you know, performing signs and wonders and miracles. So 
they were bold. They, they spoke with boldness. There's a difference between boldness and arrogance. There's a difference between uh, pride and boldness. Pride is, I don't want to go God's way. Boldness is, I'm going God's way and I'm throwing myself wholly into it. So people look at, at some who are bold and who boast in the Lord, bold in the word, and they say, oh, look how prideful he is, look how arrogant he is. Okay, is, if there's signs and wonders, that person cannot possibly be arrogant because the power comes, he gives grace to those who are humble enough to receive it. So we need to stop criticizing people who have results. And we need to stop saying, what are they doing wrong? That's pride. And we're never going to see their results as long as we do that. But we need to say, what are they doing right? Maybe, maybe they might have some doctrinal issues. Maybe it's not everything they preach is, is 100% correct. doesn't matter. But there's something in them that receives grace, that's humble before God. There's something that's not resisting God. There's something that lets God flow. And if we criticize that, instead of recognizing Christ in them, we're never going to receive what God wants to give to us. So if I get a word from a five-year-old, I need to listen. Okay? If, I, if God wants to speak to me through a song on the radio, I need to listen. If I think, if I'm proud in my doctrine thinking I, I know it all, I'm resisting God. Every time you read the Bible, you need to be open for God to speak to you. Don't say, I know that. Don't say, I know everything. Don't, because what you do is you cut yourself off from whatever the Spirit wants to speak to you today. So every time you read, you just say, Holy Ghost, speak to me. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to do what you're saying. Show me yourself. And then read, and he will show himself to you. And when he shows himself to you, when he corrects you, you know, do not despise the Lord's correction. What's that uh, Proverbs 3, Hebrews 12, Job, where's that? 5? Don't despise the correction of the Lord. Doesn't mean he's going to put you in a car accident to teach you. Doesn't mean he's going to doesn't mean he's going to put you in a hospital. You know, people say, you know, if you don't pay your tithes, God is going to take it in hospital bills. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. So what's God doing? He wants to bring healing. He wants to, he's, he's only good. All right? So uh, we need to be humble to receive what he's giving. I kind of forgot what I wanted to say now. Okay, the humility is flowing with him. <laughs> My wife's distracting me. Okay, the humility is flowing with him. The humility is doing what he says boldly. The humility is keeping room in your heart for the mystery of God. You don't have to understand everything. The humility is opening up and saying, okay, Lord, give me fresh revelation, even if he turns your whole world upside down. The humility is to admit, I preached that wrong. The humility is to say, okay, I thought I heard God, but it's not God. That's humility. So when we are, we're not resisting oh, the chastening of the Lord. Yeah, 
when we're not resisting the correction of the Lord, He corrects us with the Word. So the Word rooted and implanted in your hearts, says James chapter 1, contains the power to save your souls. So be quick to listen and slow to speak. Okay? So, humble enough to receive it. Then he says, verse 7, James 4, verse 7. So be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Isn't it funny that everyone is teaching these days, oh, how can you say come close to God if you're close to him? How can you say come Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit's already in you? (sighs) How proud are you? How much do you want to resist him? My wife is close by. I can call her. I can't call her if she's in Cape Town. On the phone maybe. But I can't say, say, uh, honey, come and look at this quickly. Or I could just just come and give me a kiss. You know, call her. Draw near. Uh, Seek the Lord while while he may be found. Isaiah 55. Okay, so draw close to God and he will draw near to you. Verse 8, come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you're sinners, get your soiled hands clean, etc. Okay, purify your hearts. So that means you can ask him to come if you are willing to come. You can ask him to come if he's near. You can't ask someone to come if he's not near. So are we filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. But the Spirit says... Draw close to God. Uh, very, the very last verse of the New Testament in Revelation says, Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, let the Spirit and the Bride say come. Let the, everyone say come. So come, Lord Jesus. So we can say come. <laughs> He's not far. He's with us. But now there needs to be that connection between soul and spirit. So the soul needs to turn to him. It's called repentance. Away from all these influences to his influence. You need to intentionally turn to him and listen to what he has to say. Isaiah 55. If anyone is thirsty, come and and drink. Come, buy and eat. Wine and milk without price. Simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. So you want to surrender to him? Turn to him. Okay? It's... Surrender that accepts the blessing, not hard work. Surrender accepts the blessing, not hard work. Okay? God doesn't want you to work hard. He did all the heavy lifting for you so that you can just receive by faith. Okay? So God wants you to receive all the benefits of everything that he wants to give. For that to happen, you need to receive by faith. And for that to happen, you need to let all your ideas go. And you need to believe what he says. Jesus was totally humble. He was faithful in the things related to his father's house. Faithful, sympathetic high priest. Okay? He was completely humble. He said, I say only what I hear him say. I do only what I see him do. All right. So if you look at Jesus, you see humility. And what was the result? Well, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It was testified of him that he was a prophet, mighty in work and words. That same Christ is inside you. Why don't we see that same power in the world today? 
It's because we don't understand what surrender is. We don't understand what humility is. And the moment we surrender fully, Christ will be fully seen in us. So everything in humanity resists him. <laughs> and we need to find that secret place where we can, that we need to find that mystery to surrender and yield to him and let him flow out. He's already done everything. He's waiting for us to come in line. Okay, so faith means we come in line with him. Our thinking, our doing, our emotions, everything comes in line with him. So if it's not like Jesus, it needs to change. But it's only going to be changed through fellowship with the Spirit. And that's only going to happen through faith in the Word. Okay? But the Word is not an intellectual thing. The Word is the Spirit. <laughs> so, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. So, this... Oh, man... Verse 16 says, I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. Responsive to, controlled, guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. But what do we want to do? We want to stop gratifying the cravings of the flesh in our attempt to try and be spiritual. Mm -mm. Other way around. Walk in the Spirit. That means all your anxiety, all your fears, all your regrets, everything about sin, everything about sickness, everything, all your cares, cast it on Him. The cross took care of it. Now your attention needs to be fully with the spirit that comes to us through the gospel to let him. Our attention needs to, to, to be away from us and our problems and our state. To him and his perfection and his grace. And if our attention turns to him, what happens is we are transformed into the same likeness. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18. We are transformed in ever increasing splendor into the same image. Okay, so walk in the Spirit. So your purpose is to know Him. And that's what we talked about yesterday. Your purpose is to know Him. Your purpose is to seek Him out, to get to know Him, to experience Him. So, and walking with Him, walking in Him. So your attention is not on changing yourself. That's just the fruit of the fellowship. So trust Him to do that. But your attention needs to, needs to be on him just to see him for who he is. Because 1 John 3 verse 2 says, We know not what we shall be hereafter, but we know that when he comes, we will resemble him and be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. Again, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. As we behold, we are changed into the very image. So you need to look upon him. You need to see him for who he is. And that's walking in the Spirit. That's you see Him and then you do what you see. You hear Him and then you say what you hear. Not giving expression to anything that opposes it. So that's why we're not walking in perfection in that. And that's why Christ isn't seen perfectly. So we need to learn to surrender. And we need to learn to yield to the Spirit in us. Our biggest 
problem is us trying to get better. It's us trying to improve ourselves. That's your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is not your sin. Your biggest problem is the law that prompts you or demands from you <laughs> to be better, to be acceptable. But Ephesians 1 says we are accepted in the beloved. Can we yield and surrender to that fact? Acts chapter 13, Acts, uh, Ephesians 1, 7, Colossians 1. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, you've been made holy. Verse 10, verse 14, forever completely cleansed, perfected. Can you yield to that? Or does your mind still scream out, I'm not holy, I'm not perfect, I'm not forgiven, I'm condemned? That's pride, that's rebellion against him. We need to surrender, and it's called believing. We need to surrender to him and flow with him. So believing is not being intellectually stimulated or intellectually... What's uh, the Convinced of a certain thing. It's not about that. It helps, but it's not about that. It's about inside you, yielding and surrendering to him and letting him save you. Letting him live in you and through you. I've been crucified with Christ, not I that live. So all your opinions doesn't matter. All your opinions are in the grave. All your feelings, oh, I feel I must, blah, 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 blah. All the things that you think you have a right to. He killed it on the cross and buried it. You have no right to anything. You can just be thankful that he made you alive in Christ. And now receive the life that he gives. That is surrender. Let him live through you. Not try to be better for God. Let him live through you. You died. Your life is gone. You have no say anymore. That's surrender. Okay. He says... Verse, did I read the whole verse? Walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. Guided by the, the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings, desires of the flesh, human nature without God. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. So all the flesh desires, that includes sin and that includes religion. Religion is 100% flesh. Okay, so your desire to make atonement is a problem. It's pride. Okay, just look at the Pharisees, the most prideful bunch of all, and they were really religious. Okay, he says, the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. A good example of that is judgment and mercy. Go and learn what this means, Matthew 9, sacrifices I have not desired, but mercy. Okay? So God wants to show mercy. He's merciful and compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's rich enough. We need to accept that about him and stop judging everyone when they, when they mess up. What's God's response to judgment? What's the Holy Spirit's mind? Uh, God's response to sin. What's the Holy Spirit's mind towards sin? It's, okay, I'll, I'll do something. I'll give myself up for them so that they have a scapegoat, so that all the sin can come on someone else, so that they can just believe in me. So that he can, you know, so he paid for our sins himself to save us. That's his, his 
what what's our response to sin? We want to zap people with a cannon, man. You know? Have you played computer games years ago? There's Tesla coils. I don't know if you... It's in Warcraft. It's this big thing, and then it, it shoots like a lightning bolt out to your enemies, and, bzzz, and then there's just like a smoldering nothing left of that person. Okay? That's the mind of the flesh. You know, just look at yourself in traffic. <laughs> so, so you want to... Uh, you, your mind needs to think like God's mind thinks, and God's mind is merciful. Okay, He's merciful and gracious and slow to anger, rich in love. That's wonderful. Okay, so mind of the flesh is uh, spirit is opposed opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. So that you're not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. So antagonistic, a lot of people think it's only aggression. And, but antagonistic, it's just something that works again. So for instance, the muscles on two sides of your arms, like the, the biceps and the triceps, are antagonistic to one another. The biceps pulls the arm this way, and the triceps pulls the arm that, that way. If they both contract at the same time, you'll just get a cramp, and the arm's going nowhere. <laughs> Depends on which muscle is the strongest. But this one surrenders as this one contracts. This one surrenders as this one contracts. Otherwise, you have no movement. So who is deciding the movement? The desire of the flesh or the desire of the spirit he's never going to force himself onto you so he's going to let you mess up everything he's not going to he's not some dictator he's not going to do it you need to willfully surrender yourselves to him and then he moves you in the right direction he uh, faith is always free will faith is always voluntary okay all right so he says you see, so not free but prevented from doing what you desire to do. So if I present, if I uh, have a desire to lengthen my arm, but this muscle doesn't want to stop contracting, then I'm prevented from doing it. My arm is not free to, to do that. I hope you get what I'm trying to illustrate. Now he says, but if you are guided, led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. So what does the law have to do with this? Well, Romans 7 says the law stirs up the forbidden desire. So the more, that's Romans 7 verse 5, 6, 7, 8, and 11. The law stirs up the forbidden desire. Sin finds opportunity in the law to, ex, in, to express itself, in the commandment to express itself without the law, sin is dead. Romans 7 verse, verse 8. So if there's no law, the law will not give you the knowledge of sin that can tempt you and lead you in the wrong direction. So your problem is the law. Your problem is thinking that you can find some kind of a code that can change you into the image of God without God's assistance. And that's what the law essentially is. It's independence from God. Jesus fulfilled it with the Spirit. How are you going to fulfill it without the Spirit? The only way the Spirit comes to you is through faith in the cross, Jesus having done it for you. Verse 19. The doings, practices of the flesh are clear, are obvious. 
immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, part of it. You can't judge someone for you know, immorality if there's anger present. I mean, really, same sentence. Selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit. Not having parties. It's like this party and that party, people making factions, sects, uh, peculiar opinions, heresies. Yeah, that's rampant these days. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that cannot inherit his, his portion for you. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom, says First Corinthians 15. But he says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes is love. Joy, peace, patience, temp, uh, even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility. You see, the humility you need is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. So God will even make you humble if you are just willing to let him make you humble so that he can give you your inheritance. Gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. You see the surrender there. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line. It's not only morality. Yes, morality is definitely part of it. But morality is the biggest distraction. To only aim to be moral is better than to aim to be immoral. <laughs> but how about we just live the Christ life and heal the sick and raise the dead and preach the gospel? Do something supernatural. Just do something that only Christ can do so that people stand in wonder and in amazement with the God that's inside of you. Okay? So, so much to say. Acts chapter 20 verse 32 says, I commend you to the word of his grace. I commend you to God. So I surrendered you into his care. I commend you to God. So you need to surrender people you minister to as well. I'm not their God. I just speak something and God does something. I'm not your God. God is your God. I'm just telling you something about him so that you can have a relationship with him. Okay? I seek no control over people. I just don't have the energy to manage that. I can't even manage my three toddlers. How am I going to manage the lives of all these people? It's just... Imagine having to have control over every, every decision of every person in your church. It's bizarre. Holy Ghost. <laughs> you do it. So I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance among the saints. So by humbling yourself and receiving the grace, you receive your inheritance. By surrendering to God's will, you receive everything that you would ever desire. Just give up your right to earn things. 
and surrender to him. And you'll see how he will bless you. Okay? Let him live in you. Let him live through you, man. Okay, what? Oh, we're already five minutes over the time. My goodness. I wanted to go to, to John and to, oh my goodness, to Romans 8. You can read Romans 8. Let me just quote it quickly. Mind of the flesh, verse 5. which is sent, uh, He says, those who are according to the flesh, um, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. Do mind the things of the flesh, King James. But those who are according to the Spirit, do mind the things or set their minds on and pursue this, the things that gratify the Spirit. Imagine the Holy Spirit being pleased inside you for letting Him live through you, loosening His arms by yielding and surrendering to Him. And then He says in verse 6, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit amplified, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries both now and hereafter. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace here and hereafter. Both now and forever, actually, says the Amplified, not hereafter. Which means you're not going to (laughs) die. So, the mind of the flesh is death. That's why people die. Mind of the flesh, law. But the mind of the Spirit, mercy, is life. Verse 10, that your body be dead by reason of sin and guilt, the spirit is life because of the righteousness that he freely gives to you. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, will restore to life your mortal body. So it issues in eternal life, Romans 6. But we don't have time to go to all those scriptures. I just want to leave you with this one thought. Uh, Just think of a river, big river, that's in full flow. Maybe something like the Mississippi or Massive River or even the Amazon. Just think of a big river. That river is God's grace. You can, if you're standing in that river, you can be resisted by trying to go up river, upstream. You will work so hard and even then the river will take you in another direction. You will feel resistance like you can't believe But the moment you surrender to the river, the river takes you to where you need to go and you rest. Just think of that. Surrender to God. Rest in his goodness. Let the spirit live in you and through you. Let the waters of the spirit from your innermost belly will flow rivers, streams of living water. John John 7, 37 and onwards. Okay. So be blessed, everyone. May you just know the surrender and the peace and the loving kindness of the lord jesus christ all right so it's good to see everybody so let me just see hello santi it's good to see you there and who else is there ishmael bless you ishmael yeah come holy spirit martinet bless you it's good to see you who else is there uh so good i needed this word awesome santi me too okay so (laughs) Bless you, everybody. Bless you, Trish, there in in Ireland. Everybody watching on YouTube as well. Uh, It's not a lot of comments there today. But bless you guys. And um, we'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Have an awesome day. Amen. Oh, switch it off. Amen.